Let's go into our new series called Instead. This is a series uh, talking about replacing the old with the new, getting rid of the, the ways that aren't of God and putting in the ways of God. <clears throat> and so we're going to be looking at uh, a variety of scriptures with the word instead included or implied. And so here's, here's how you're doing it. Instead, do it like this. You know, <laughs> that's the idea is replacing the old with the new. Instead of this, do that. It's basically Romans 12, 2. Applied in a variety of circumstances. So let's look at Romans 12, 2. Says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world, I think, is very concerning. Uh, here's a pattern that I see. Uh, half-truths and emotional responses. It's a lot of half-truth with emotional reactions attached. And not a lot of depth of understanding. You know, that is the pattern of this world. Say something that's half true and try to get a bunch of people all riled up. You know, make a Facebook post and get get it shared. That's half true and gets people riled up. That's a pattern of this world. Instead, we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We want to walk in the light and we want to understand what's really going on. We want to get past that spirit of offense into seeing the needs that are out there and trying to help. So we want to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So do you believe in the transforming power of the gospel? God changes lives. And so we believe in the transforming power of the gospel, but how does it happen? How does it work? Well, it works by changing how you think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts in how we think. So it's basically like that song, free your mind and the rest will follow. Amen? That's Romans 12 too. Free your mind. Right, yeah, we, we need a... We could have the worship team do that. What do you think? Free your mind. Yeah. Hey, that'll work pretty good. All right. You got it? You ready? All right. It's going to happen. But, I mean, seriously, if we can think right, if we can get our thoughts in line with God, We'll not be confused by the things that want to pull us off in this direction. We won't have the wrong reactions to things. We'll see past when people are trying to manipulate. We'll be free if we can see things God's way. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, it's not enough to just react, I'm sorry, to reject bad things, bad thoughts, bad patterns, bad ways of being. It's not enough to reject those. We have to embrace God's good things. We have to replace the bad things with the good things. We see that in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Jesus is speaking here and he says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. 
Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. So what Jesus is saying is if you are going to get saved, decide to serve Christ, and you've got these things that you need to get rid of in your life, if you just get rid of those things but you don't actually put God things in, you'll be hollow, and then the bad things can come right back. I heard somebody explain it to, to uh, explain it this way. If I told you to not think about unicorns, and so I'm like, okay, for the next 15 seconds, don't think about unicorns. No unicorns. Don't think about unicorns. What? Don't think about unicorns. Get unicorns out of your head. No unicorns. Get the unicorns out of your mind. No unicorns. What are you thinking about? Unicorns. So if we've got Twinkies, <laughs> Twinkies and Ding Dongs, he's still, he's still in the video. <laughs> but that was, I enjoyed that. Um, so a lot of times with the things we know we're supposed to break free from, we're just thinking about not doing that. And it's on our mind all the time. Well, it's going to call you. You got to get it out of your mind. So if we're going to not think about unicorns, how about we think about alligators instead? Big, scary alligators, big alligators that are on golf courses, chasing people around. You know, I don't want to be around with those big alligators, you know? Well, now you're thinking about alligators and you're not thinking about unicorns anymore. So what we need to do is we've got these things that we have to get rid of, these thought patterns that we need to replace. Well, don't just reject that bad thought pattern. Put in a godly thought pattern. Replace it with something else. So if you know that 9 o'clock at night is a bad time for you, then that can be your quiet time. That can be your Bible reading time. Instead of being bored and slipping into stuff you shouldn't be slipping into, go ahead and get your Bible out at 9 o'clock, and that's your Bible time. You can get through the rest of the day just fine, but that's a moment that you're going to run into trouble. Replace that dangerous open time with something that is positive. So we're going to be looking at various scriptures uh, along these lines. And so this week, we are going to begin with uh, something from the Sermon on the Mount. So let's pray. We'll get into uh, our series here this morning. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that your word is living and active and that uh, you haven't left us down here to just wander around and try to figure it out, but you guide us by your Holy Spirit and you guide us by the truth of your Bible. And so, Father, we just pray that you would bring forth something good this morning. Father, I pray that in our hearts, each one of us, as we're all going through different things and we're battling with different stuff, Lord, that you would uh, just touch our hearts with exactly what we need by your Spirit. So, Father, bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this morning, let your light shine. From Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount in front of a big bunch of people. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. He says this to the masses that are following him. You are the light of the world. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead... They put it on its stand. So here's our instead. There's a light 
hide it under a bushel or put it on a stand and let it shine. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. So let your light shine. Is our faith supposed to be just between us and God, you know, separated from the world? Don't let people know what you think. Is our faith supposed to be personal only between us and God? We're supposed to live a public faith. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So instead of hiding the light, let your light shine. That's what God is asking of us. Now, go back to verse 14. Jesus says, you, and this is the plural you, it's all y'all, all y'all are the light of the world. Isn't Jesus the light of the world? He says, you are the light of the world. How many people learn about God from God? And how many people learn about God from people? How many people have an opinion about God because of other people? You are the light of the world. The world will see God through the behavior of the people who claim to know God. They will understand God through the lens of interpreting God through God's people. You are the light of the world. We don't get to pick whether or not we're the light of the world. We just are. People will judge God by how God's people behave. People will judge God by whether or not God's people love them. People will judge God based on the people who claim God. You are the light of the world. Now, this is tongue-in-cheek. I believe the Bible is holy and inspired, inerrant. It's all good, and uh, there are no mistakes in it, and that God does not make mistakes. He is perfect, all-powerful, perfectly good. But let me say this for dramatic effect. Making us the light of the world may have been God's greatest tactical error. I mean, seriously. Why would he make us the light of the world? What are we going to do with his light? Because if it goes through us to the world, it's going to come out not as good as it came in. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We will be noticed. We will be seen. You are the light of the world. So, this is why I say people don't need to hear about Jesus in Cloquet, Minnesota. People need to be shown. In America, few people need to hear about Jesus. They need to see what it's like for somebody to love God and love them. They need to see what it's like for people to replace uh, the pattern of this world with godly patterns in their life. They need to see someone live out their faith in abundant life. They need to see that happen. They don't need to hear somebody who's a hypocrite tell them that they should change and love God when they're not even doing anything that's going to indicate 
that they have been transformed by the power of God. You are the light of the world. However, there's too many bad examples. Let's go to Titus 1. This may come out kind of strong. Last night, it was more harsh than I anticipated. You know, let let your little light shine. Doesn't that sound nice? Oh, that'll be a pleasant sermon. You know, like, oh, we're going to let our little light shine. But man, that's a huge responsibility when you dig into it. Because a light is going to shine. What does it shine is the question. So let's go to Titus. One of my favorite scriptures. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, their minds and consciences. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold it. Sorry. Good. Nice work. Look at that. She's quick. To the pure, all things are pure. Have you ever seen a three-year-old interact with a puddle? How much joy is there in finding a puddle, a mud puddle? And you're like, whoa! And they just like, bang! And they jump in it, and it's like the greatest thing ever. To the pure, all things are pure. We start off in a certain way in life and we see things for the first time and it's just exciting and fun and a mud puddle can be a great, great source of joy. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. So then there's a corruption process that can happen. To the corrupted and do not believe, those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. Who do you think is being talked about here? This corrupted, unbelieving that are their minds and their consciences are corrupted. Who do you think these people are? Let's find out in verse 16. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. It's pretty strong. These are professing believers. These are the ones who say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm in. They're professing believers who are in this state. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. There are too many bad examples. Instead of the pure, seeing everything is pure, People end up with corrupted vision and they miss the beautiful thing from God. Now, if we are the light of the world, I believe God does not make mistakes and making us the light of the world was not a mistake. Amen? So it's not a mistake that you're here. It's not a mistake that you believe. However, God does take chances on people. Amen? God doesn't make mistakes, but he does take chances on people. And here's what I would charge you with today. Be worth God taking a chance on you. It's like a partnership. It's not that God would need our help. He just set it up that way that we are the light of the world because he can do whatever he wants. So we don't get to pick. He picks. (laughs) And he says, we're the light of the world. And it's not a mistake, but he is taking a chance. If he puts his light in our hands and it's our job to bring it to the world, what do we do with it when we bring it? We need to bring something pure, something good, something beautiful. Be worth God taking a chance on you. So I see two steps in us 
being the light of the world, in letting our light shine, instead of hiding, letting it out. There's two steps to that. So this must be a simple sermon. Step one, instead of being dark inside, (laughs) receive the light. And then step two, instead of being ashamed, let your light shine. Let's talk about step one for a little bit. Instead of being dark inside, receive the light. You can't share what you don't have. Amen? You can't share what you don't have. And so we need to deal with this part first, because if we're told to let our light shine, but we don't have light within us, then we're in trouble and we have to start doing something that doesn't make any sense. So step one is getting the light of God in our own hearts, opening ourselves up to God. Too many Christians seem to believe in lying. They believe in hate. They believe in faking it, you know, putting on a front. They believe in selfishness and disrespect. I just don't understand that. When Jesus says we are the light of the world, he means 24-7. He's talking about at work, at school, at home, at the DMV, at Walmart, and at church. Amen? You're the light of the world at work. You're the light of the world at Walmart. It's 24-7. We are the light of the world. Let me ask you this. Will the world judge believers only while they're at church or all the time? <laughs> all the time. I heard some, uh, a story of someone who said, I'm never going to go to that church. And they said, well, why not? Say, well, I was at the softball game and the pastor lost his temper at the softball game, so there's no way I'd ever try that church. Okay. It's a 24-7 thing. We are the light of the world at the softball game. You don't get to pick. It's just the reality. We are the light of the world. Now, Jesus talks a little bit more deeply about this later in the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew chapter 5, with the, instead of hiding your light under a bowl, you know, let it shine, he talks about light in the next chapter, still the same sitting, the same conversation. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, starting in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Oh, the tragedy of missing the beautiful thing from God in your life, in your day, in your circumstance. Missing the beautiful thing from God. This is such a big deal. Did you know in virtually every situation, there's a beautiful thing from God? We can see it or we can miss it. Um, And there's a process we go through. And I think, you know, how did we go from the little kid that loved jumping in a mud puddle to a jaded, angry (laughs) adult? How did that happen? Well, We went through some stuff, right? You go through some stuff and it changes. So there's something that happens that can bring darkness because we interact with an evil world. We interact with darkness. 
Darkness hurts us and it hurts those we love and it can have a significant long-term impact. So how do we get the light in us and keep it in us? I'm going to talk about a progression. There's naive idealism. Anybody ever thought, you know what? We should do this great thing for God. Naive idealism. Then there's harsh reality. (laughs) And then there's two options. There's cynicism, jaded mentality, a corrupted mind and conscience, or mature idealism. When I first started as a pastor uh, 17 plus years ago, I had a simple plan. Here was the plan. We're going to pray. We're going to worship God. We're going to preach the word. People will get saved, give their lives to Christ. We'll work together and we'll reach the community. Seemed like a good plan. It was a terrible plan (laughs) because it had nothing to do with bylaws or budgets or church boards. It had nothing to do with policies and procedures. There was no leadership structure in that. It, it was just too open and went all kinds of different directions and there was no organizational control. I thought it was a great plan, but then you get hit with harsh reality and the harsh reality is that there's problems in church. Have you noticed that? That there can be people issues in church. There can be people pulling this way and other people pulling that way. There can be yucky stuff going on. You got broken people coming to church. Hallelujah for that. But hurt people hurt people. Right? And so it's this mess. And hallelujah. I want lots and lots of broken people in church. Amen? Amen. But then we've got to have a structure that can handle that. Or else people bump into each other and hurt each other too much. And it just gets to be a mess. So there's naive idealism, harsh reality, and then mature idealism. So what we need to do then, which I've learned over the years, have good policies and procedures, have good structures, get yourself some quality bylaws, have a good budget, make sure you're financially sound, have a, have a good relationship with the church board, do good you know, do the organizational things effectively, get all that down. And then guess what you can do after that? You can pray and you can worship God and you can preach the word and people can get saved and we can work together and reach our world. Amen. Amen. But we have to be mature in that, not naive. What can happen though, is when we hit the harsh reality, we go into jaded, corrupted, dark. This is the same thing that happens in marriage. It can happen in your vocation. It can happen in all kinds of different ways of life with parenting. You know, oh, a cute little baby that's going to love me unconditionally. Nope. (laughs) But isn't parenting, isn't there a beautiful, wonderful thing from God in parenting? Yeah, but there's harsh realities with it too. Isn't there a beautiful, wonderful thing from God in marriage? Yeah, but there's harsh realities too. Isn't there a beautiful, wonderful thing from God in, uh, in our work life, in vocation, in, in business or, or school? There's a beautiful, wonderful thing from God, but it can also turn into a mess because of the harsh reality. So we need to not go into cynicism and being jaded and corrupted in mind and conscience, but instead 
Go to mature idealism. Stay in faith, but be wise at the same time. So, if you're dark inside, and you're like the Titus person who professes God, is in church, and you know what to say, because here you are, you know to smile and nod, oh, yep, praise the Lord, you know, you, need, you, need, you know to do that. But you know, deep down, you're going through the motions and you're not so sure. Let me tell you, God wants to light a fire in your soul. He wants to light a fire in your heart that will brighten up your life and your world. He wants that for you. If we are going to let our light shine, the first step is getting God's light in us. God will forgive you and meet with you. We're going to have prayer time at the end. If you are thinking to yourself, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I hear people talking about all these things of God, and I, I know what to say, but I, I don't have it in me. Come get prayer. And there's, we'll have prayer for all kinds of different things. But the reality is, if we've been in church circles for a long time, but haven't been with God for a long time, it can be a real dark place. And let God's forgiveness hit you and his fullness come in and get that light in there. If you've never known God, let me tell you the basics of, of the redemption story. So God is just and God is love. God's justice demands that there is a payment for sin. God's plan is to create a eternal, beautiful kingdom full of free-willed, intelligent beings, and this thing lasts forever, which means that there can't be any destructive forces in it or it's not going to last forever. And so all the destructive forces need to be eliminated. The problem with creative, intelligent beings that God wants to make citizens of heaven is that they have a tendency to create evil. They have a tendency to create destruction and damage and pain. And so all of those creative, intelligent, free-willed beings that need to, that create destruction need to be eliminated so that this thing, the kingdom of God can be eternal. However, that's a problem for us (laughs) because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God's justice demands the wages of sin is death. To protect the beautiful thing of God, the eternal kingdom of God, the destructive forces must be destroyed. However, God is compassionate and full of love. And that love wants to include all those who have disqualified themselves. And so Jesus doesn't just forgive, he redeems. The wages of sin is death. Jesus says, yes, I will pay that wage. And let's give him a shot. The wages of sin is death. Jesus pays that for you. You're not innocent. You're just redeemed. You don't have to be innocent. Just be redeemed. Then that Forgiving power of God brings us into the love of God and we can replace the old ways with the new. We can replace the ways of darkness with the ways of God. And we can walk in that, growing in that as the days, weeks, months, and years go by. If you need the light of Christ in you, do not leave this place without reaching out to God and trying to get a hold of it. Then, after we get the light of Christ in us, Instead of hiding that, instead of being ashamed, let your light shine. 
Now, have some savvy with that. Sometimes the noisy Christians I wish were quiet, and the quiet, quick Christians I wish were noisy. You know what I mean? Like, there's a time to share. Just because it's right now doesn't mean we run over to Walmart and start screaming, repent or you'll burn. You know, if you're running through Walmart doing that, people may not respond in a positive way. So you want to be open to who God wants to reach and those sorts of things. And let's look at a few potential pitfalls. So have you ever been hesitant to let your little light shine? I think sometimes there's scary scenarios. So let's just talk about that a little bit. What if I don't have it all figured out yet? You are the light of the world. But what if I don't have it figured out? Now what do I do? Well, you're still the light of the world. People, if they know that you're a professing follower of Christ, they're going to judge God by what they see in you. You're still the light of the world. So what do you do? Well, get comfortable not knowing everything. First Peter, First Peter 3, 15 and 16 used to scare me when I was a new believer. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Amen. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. I didn't have an answer for everyone. There were lots of people that had questions I couldn't answer. You know, it was scary. Have an answer for everyone. But I learned something. Let's keep reading this. But do this with gentleness and respect. Amen. Keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Return good for evil. If you're one of those, you know, like comment, computer comment people, comment love, comment kindness, comment something good. Don't get in some kind of yucky, disrespectful exchange. But here's what I found out. What if you don't have it all figured out yet? Well, don't worry about it. You don't know everything. But you do know something. Tell people what you know. Tell people what God has done for you. Tell people what God has brought you through. You don't have to know every theological thing. A lot of times that just turns out to be a mess anyway. Tell them what you know. Tell them what you've been through. You don't have everything figured out. That's okay. Get comfortable with that. But you do know some things. What if people will get mad at me? John 15 Verse 20, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. This is Jesus speaking again. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If you let your light shine, will some people get mad at you? Yep, but some will believe. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. So some people will get mad, but some people will believe. Don't hide the truth because some will get mad. Let the truth out because some will believe. What if I mess up and I'm a bad example? Well, you don't get to choose whether or not you're the light of the world. It's imposed upon us. And I would say this, be real from the start. Teach people to trust God rather than you. Amen? Might I say something wrong at some point? Yeah, huh? Might I make a mistake in judgment at some point? Yep, er. Should you trust in me? You should trust in the Lord. Amen? 
Trust in God. What if I mess up? If your hope and faith is in me, you are misdirected. <laughs> Love the Lord. Trust God. And if you're letting your light shine, teach them to trust God, not to trust you. Now, don't intentionally mess up or use that as an excuse doctrine. But here's the deal. God is trustworthy. And we aren't. We unintentionally mess up. And so we must teach people to trust and love God. So how do I let my light shine? There's a few things here. Forgive when it isn't warranted. If somebody knows you're a follower of Christ, they may test you. And see if you'll walk in forgiveness. They've heard the cross has something to do with forgiveness. They want to know. They'll test you. Forgive when it isn't warranted. Love when it isn't deserved. You can volunteer at church. It's a good way to let your light shine. If you need structure, we've got structure. We get your name tag. (laughs) We'll put you in an environment where you can serve the Lord and let your light shine. But most of the times when we're letting our light shine, it just sort of happens. Be in tune with the spirit. Be aware of the spirit's leading. If there's something you need to say to somebody, if there's something that you need to do and it's just in that unstructured world, that's how most of the things we do for the kingdom of God happen. They just happen. And so be open to the spirit's leading. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to pray here in just a minute. So if we're going to, instead of hiding the light, if we're going to let our light shine, like the old kid's song, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. If we're going to do that, we need to get the light within us. Instead of pretending, receive the light. Be born again. Instead of resisting God, receive the light. Be born again. And then instead of hiding your light, let your light shine before people. It's okay to let your light shine. It's okay to let people know what you believe. It's okay. And once they know what you believe, then your character will determine what they see in the power of God. When they know that you're a believer, they'll watch and see how you interact with the coworkers. When they know you're a believer, when kids know their parents are followers of Christ, they'll look for inconsistencies. They'll look for those things. And when they see godly ways 24-7, they'll know the power of God. Our closing scripture is from Luke chapter 6. There's more to say with this than what I can say, but there's an important point I want to deal with. Luke 6, 43 through 45. Jesus again is speaking. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. So there's... You know, we could talk about the battle between 
uh, the sinful nature and the spirit within us. But the the main point I want to talk about here as we close is that we must deal with our hearts, not merely our actions. If we get our heart in the right place, the actions will flow naturally. If we get our faith in the right place, the actions will flow naturally. And so we need to deal with our hearts. If we're going to let our light shine in this world, instead of having darkness, we need to have light. And so let's ask God to create a clean heart within us. Let's ask God, who is full of mercy and compassion and love, to push out darkness and bring in light. And then let's cling to the light as the days go on. So let's pray together along those lines, and then I'll invite people up for personal prayer. (sighs) Heavenly Father, thank you for making us the light of the world. Thank you for taking a chance on people. Lord, what it must be like for you to place your truth in our hands, to place your heart in our world for us to bring to other people. Father, we know that if we are going to do this well, our hearts must be in the right place, that we can't pretend, we can't fake it, we can't go through the motions, but we need to have hearts after you. And so, Father, right now we open our hearts up before you. We expose our hearts to you and we say, create in us a clean heart. Bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and darkness and sin. Father, wash those things away and replace those things with your Holy Spirit. Replace those things, Lord, with your thoughts. Let us be transformed. Father, cleanse us this morning. We know you are well able and we reach to you and we ask you create in us clean hearts and father, let us shine your light in its purity, not corrupted, not tainted, but pure. So let us be vessels that let your light shine. Father, I pray a blessing over each person in this place. Father, I pray your peace would be in our hearts, that we would know your love to its fullness and that we would be able to stand on solid ground in this life. When everything else is going this way and that, we're safe and secure, standing on your truth. Father, bless us, encourage us, help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.